Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Entertainment Expansion. We are your hosts, Tyler Callahan and Mike Ferrante. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm magically chilling today, Tyler. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, so, good news for everyone out there. Uh, we're taking a break from Marvel, you know. Uh, and not only that, we have a brand new, hopefully, and brand new series, if it works out, to discuss and taking a break from directors and their work we are going to talk about franchises are they fantastic are they failures and we're going to look at a franchise as a whole so there might be a couple stinkers in one but as a whole is it worth your time to sit down and watch these movies and the first franchise we got to talk about this is one that's near and dear to our hearts harry potter yes indeed now note this is Harry Potter, not the Wizarding World franchise. So we'll be Correct. not, we will not be talking about the Fantastic Beast movies. One, because it's not finished yet. And two, we don't want to. <laughs> Pretty much. It's kind of its own, own franchise at this point. If you want us to shit on Crimes of Grindelwald for 20 minutes, uh, find another video. Or just let us know and maybe we'll tackle that. You just got to hit us with a comment every now and again. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right now, format will be pretty simple. We'll go through the movies in order. Did we like it? Did we, did we not like it? Why or why not? At the end, we'll do a quick ranking, and uh, we'll give our final rating, our stamp of approval or disapproval on this franchise. So we got eight movies, and we didn't choose a small franchise. Mike, what do you think of the Sorcerer's Stone, or as they call it in England, the Philosopher's Stone? Well, what to say about the Philosopher's Stone? It, it's a good movie. I mean... With brand new kid actors, you got some legend actors and actresses in the movie as well. Alan Rickman, you got Richard Harris, but you got the three stars that carried the franchise pretty much on their backs, all eight movies, Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint for their first actoral debuts. And yeah, you could say the acting's a little choppy at times, but listen, they're they're, they're fucking kids but the movie as a whole the cgi at the time was outstanding and most of it still really holds up today which is very rare to say from a movie that came years. out in what 2000 uh no 2001 no this year is the 20th anniversary so exactly i mean if we want to talk about point. yeah so it obviously stood the test of time and it still looks pretty good and it does an amazing job immersing you into this brand new world that J.K. Rowling had created and was pretty truthful to the book as well. So I got to give it props on that. Yeah, uh, for me, I like it. I mean, I haven't watched it in a while, going to be honest. But I thought, I mean, at the time as a kid, loved it. Looking back at hindsight, yeah, I mean... Yeah, you know, the main three, the main duo, the trio. Is the acting the best? No, but again, they're kids. So obviously it's not that big of an issue. But as a movie as a whole, it did everything it needed to be. It set up the universe, left you wanting more. It teased Voldemort, I think, in a perfect amount, right? You know, the flashbacks, but then obviously uh, with the professor and like Voldemort's like head coming out of the back. Yeah. Uh, like it's creepy. It's unsettling. But they don't show too much. Like they do build up to his return. So I think overall it's pretty good. 
though Dumbledore's grading uh, scoring system at the end where he's just handing out points to everyone but Southern. Uh, he can kind of fuck off with that. That's all right. No one likes that, Slytherin that's anyway. Shit. I mean, did Slytherin help save the school? No. No, no, but whatever. Yeah, you got to look at it like that, you know? I guess, I guess. So, second one is Chamber of Secrets. Personally, I thought it was good. I think I saw it in theaters like two or three times as a kid. Yep. That, it, it's weird. It's like a lot of people consider like, oh, the first two are like more family-friendly movies and then it gets more serious. The second one kind of gets fucked up. Yeah, second one's pretty dark. The only one that's like truly family-friendly for like five-year-olds or six-year-olds. Is the like, first one. It's the first one. You know, the second one, you, you have uh, girls ending up in, 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 the, in the infirmary, right? There's a giant snake. There's blood. It's like this. Yeah, I mean, Harry gets stabbed in the arm with a damn fang. Mm-hmm. You got an adult wizard that's literally just basically roofing people and causing them to go insane so was, he can be rich and successful. Was this the one where Harry could talk to snakes? Or that's when? Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah that's, that's, that's the second one. Yeah, that was a cool scene. Um, but yeah, that, that was kind of a nice touch because there was a couple uh, red herrings, like, you know, everyone saying that, you know, Harry could be Selazar Slytherin's great, great, great grandson or something. Meanwhile, it's not, not really, but it even further starts setting the seeds that Harry and Voldemort are connected more than just he tried to kill him. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm going to say this now because I'm going to forget when we finish up, but the fact that when the, the horror... Is it hor- the Horcrux? Horcrux, yeah, that's how you say it. The, the Horcrux, when you find out, like, Harry's the last one, and, like, everything just clicks. Like, everything just snaps into place. Like, oh, there's a reason you could talk to snakes, because he could. Yeah. Part, part of it is like, oh, my God, this makes this makes sense. Yep, it does. And we'll keep getting further into that later but these movies just build mm-hmm. on one another like there's not a single movie in here and the second one there's a lot of good information they give you i mean we actually get to see harry do some magic this time which is kind of nice because the first one he really didn't do any magic except for fly a broom if you really think about it yeah but no as a whole i think the second one it's still more family friendly than you know let's say the fourth one well yeah compared to the later ones but Compared to the first one, it's pretty dark. Oh, yeah. It, it definitely takes its turn there. Uh, shout out to the flying car. Only seen one time. Yep. It's okay, though. You know, you, you I, would think the flying car would be more useful in some later situations, but okay. Well, see, this is what you got to realize here, Tyler. They didn't know where that car went after that. No, but like, it's a magical flying car. Yeah, it just drove off into the woods. No, but like after it saved him. I feel it what do you think they got Lojack on it? No, I just mean in general, was that the only one that ever existed? You're telling me wizards or witches can't just buy these or enchant the car so it can fly. Well, actually no, cuz they I mean they don't really do it too much in the movie, but oh well, they they mention it but nothing crazy. Technically that's illegal. Okay, then then go go buy it off. Uh, where's that shady alley? Diagon Alley, right? Uh, no, it's uh, Diagon Alley's the good one. Yeah, what's Fuck, what's what the a- shady one? Shit, I'm trying to remember. Nocturne Alley. Yeah, 
Yeah, all, all, all that shady, like, gray black market stuff. Yeah, just go get your car there. You could. All right, but, so Prisoners of Azkaban, I think it's one yeah. of the best. I, I don't know if it's going to be... have to agree. You know, maybe my top three later when we rank these, but it's it's a damn good movie. But I, I go back and forth on it. It's a damn good movie. But it's got the paradox. It's got the paradox of the time stuff. Yep, it does. does. Um, a lot, of, a lot of movies do though. True, true, and I, I think the pros outweigh the cons. Lupin is one of my favorite characters from the series, so to see oh, him, yeah. that's great. Gary Oldman kills it. Serious Black. Uh, the acting from the trio is now noticeably getting better as they start to become more teenagers. Obviously, they've yes. got more acting under the belt, and you start to see not much of the world around them but the history so like when snape you know toward the end and they're talking about their time in hogwarts you start to piece together what was the relationship like between them years ago you start to get some more history uh yeah. peter pettigrew fucking ron's, that piece of shit you have ron's rat for the past two movies boom he he he's a, like a 40 year old man like ew yeah it's a little a little nasty Where's that but, rap been? Yeah, it's a little little wild to think about. A very interesting thing to to really kind of look at it as is goddamn, you know. They were like the this had the probably the weakest villain of all time. You mean to tell me the main antagonist of this film was Peter Pettigrew? Because it's not serious. It's not Snape. It's not Lupin. That- I think that's okay, though. I think that's okay because the movie, up until the end, makes you believe Sirius is this all-powerful wizard who single-handedly broke out of Azkaban, and he's after Harry. He's gonna fucking kill she him. She did. Um, so, like, they do lead up to that. Like, they don't, like the movie doesn't portray as, well, we need to find this rat guy. That's true. So no, That was kind of a twist. It is a twist, and I think it's a twist that works because, uh, yeah, Pettigrew by himself, he's a dirty piece of shit, right? Yep. Scumbag. However, you need him there to set up Voldemort's return in the next movie. Because he is a major part of him coming back. So This is very true. They needed to get to him at some point. They finally did. Yes, you had to pull in Lupin and you know, Sirius and uh, Snape for that, that. But I think they perfectly set the stage for four with that. Yeah, I mean... Now we can talk a little bit about the negatives. It's it's there's paradox. There the, the paradox is my biggest issue. Yeah. Yep. Because there really is no reason for them to go back in time in the first place to do everything. You know what I mean? Or if you go back in time, you don't need to go that far back in time to where you replay like half the movie. Yeah, but let's be honest, they kind of had to because if Hermione didn't throw the rock at Harry's head, they would have got caught. They would never would have wandered to the Whomping Willow, found out Sirius actually loves Harry, and Peter Pettigrew is Ron's rat. They would never have found that out. So realistically, the original time jumpers would have had to want to go back solely on based off of saving Buckbeak. That's it. And I don't think they're doing that. Well, we'll never know because, you know, there's the paradox. So we just kind of mm-hmm. have to assume they did. Yep, but definitely a nice... Do I wish it was a little happier? But then again... Harry Potter wouldn't be a tragic story if it wasn't for, you know, 
him get, kind of getting fucked over all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it kind of has to happen. Right. Sorry. So, fourth one. Yes. Goblet where of it, Fire. Where it gets a lot darker. Uh, a lot darker. Um, but also, this one is a bit mixed. You know? Yeah, it is. It's Coming definitely not my of favorite. Azkaban, this isn't... Yeah. It's got its moments. It's got its moments. It does. Uh, personally, I think the last 20 minutes is some of the best of Harry Potter as a franchise. When they arrive at the graveyard, Voldemort's return, four movies in, you finally see this guy in the flesh. That is true. But I got to say, the games that take place for most of the movie, they're nice set pieces, but that's about yeah, it. This is very true. They are very nice set pieces, but that's kind of all they are because they really don't mean dick until the last one. Yeah. So it's like, eh. But I don't know. Like the fourth one really didn't do much for me. Pretty much, I think it's because Ron was acting like a dickhead the whole movie and really had no right to, and pretty much had no right for him to get over being mad at Harry just because the tournament was dangerous. Like, well, yeah, no one knew how dangerous that tournament was until they saw it. So you, that doesn't make sense why he's all all of a sudden not mad anymore. Like. Mm-hmm. No, you're probably still going to be mad. See, I, I kind of want to, like, just chalk that up to, like, teenage hormones. It would be a realistic response, but I do understand for from your point of view, even if it's realistic, it's not entertaining to watch. No. It's just characters being annoying. So, I like, I get that. I mean, one question I got from this is, how long was Moody in that box? Um, pretty much from the beginning, actually. Like from the entire school year? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I it's like I saw that and I'm like Dumbledore is like you let you let this guy be in this box for an entire year, you didn't catch on? No? Well, there there's a lot of things that kind of go into that. That uh, the book handles Oh, the book. Better, better you mean how he calmly says, Did you put your name in the goblet of fire? See, I wasn't going to mention that. No, yes. no, you got to mention that. You got it. That's that's the biggest thing from this movie. That's like relevant these days. Calmly. Yes. How he calmly said that. But yeah, in the book, they said that you know, Barty Crouch Jr. actually broke into Mad Eye's house, and that's when he took over the persona of Mad Eye. And when other Aurors came to Mad Eye's house, he said he was able to fend off the attackers, and they ran away. He didn't see who it was, but. We know definitely, especially at the end, that it was Barty Crouch Jr. And that's when he took over the persona of Mad-Eye, which is why from the beginning, you kind of see him doing that little that little lick tick thing that he always does. Mm-hmm. Because that was a Barty Crouch tick. That wasn't a Moody thing, because you never see Moody do that ever. No. Hence no. why he's also drinking the flask throughout the entire movie. Yeah, the, the the polymorphic stuff. He's got he's got to stay in that shape, you know. Correct, which is why he kept Moody for the entire time because he always needed easy access to get more ingredients. It's just like the more I think about it, it's like for an entire year, it's like you've had to keep him fed and stuff so he doesn't die. Yeah, that's true, and hydrated. Yeah, it's like just getting into the logistics of that, and like he wasn't able to fight back at all. I mean, he was eyeless, wandless. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel 
I mean, to be fair, he probably tried to punch his way out, and then obviously with no wand, he'd just be pushed right back yeah. down, and that'd be it. Correct. But. So I think that's another interesting thing. Um, you know, the first actual death in the entire series that we see, we get our first look at Ray Fiennes as Voldemort, and it did not fucking disappoint whatsoever. No. Yeah, definitely for me, this is like a... Well, not a bad movie by itself. It's a mid to low tier Harry Potter movie. Yeah. Definitely not my personal favorite. No. Probably not even close. It's not in my top three, no. Still not a bad movie. No. It's a good watch at least once, I would say. Yeah. Uh, Order of the Phoenix. There's a lot to love about this movie. A book so massive that they were able to make only a two and a half hour movie out of this. Yeah, which a lot of it was cut. You're going to see that a lot in these next two two movies, or three movies, sorry. Yeah. I, I actually like this movie a lot. Yeah, no, I, I, I did too. It furthers the bond between Voldemort and Harry, or the connection, I should say. Mm-hmm. Kind of spoon-feeding you that, you know, Harry's Horcrux even more now with the knowledge that he can actually look inside not only Voldemort's mind, but the mind of Nagini, Voldemort Snake. Yeah, kind of weird how, you know, Snake stuff keeps popping back up, and it's only one other main guy who can do that. Yeah, two, technically. Well, yeah. One of them's dead. The other one was a man baby up until the last movie. But I also like, you know, Harry taking on more of a leadership role, you know. Yeah, the Dumbledore's teaching, stuff was cool. Teaching the other students how to defend themselves when the ministry is kind of pacifying confrontational witches and wizards in the school year by Dolores Umbridge that can't basically only teaching them about spells but never actually showing them how to use it or practice it so Harry taking on that leadership role even though stupidly calling it Dumbledore's army like he was trying to set up his boy to fail yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Dumbledore, that they tried to arrest you for raising an army. I, don't, I really don't know why, why they thought you were trying to raise an army. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, the the Ministry is really shook of Dumbledore trying to take over. What should we name our little uh, Defense Against the Dark Arts Club? Uh, let's do Dumbledore's Army. That has a nice ring to it. Let's all get T-shirts that, and posters. Let's put that up. Send out invites. You know, absolutely bad idea. But then again, they're 15. Yeah. So fuck it, I guess. Um, you also get it's, a better bond with it sounded Sirius cool in theory. <laughs> you get a better bond with Sirius Black, trying to be the Godfather that Harry actually deserves, which Best was a piece. very nice touch. We're not there yet, Tyler. We're not there yet. Um, but then you also get more of a reason why Snape is Snape, because you get that little flashback in Snape when Harry does the reverse spell on Snape. Because he was pissed off about going through having Snape go through his memories all the time to fight the way Voldemort could enter his mind, I guess. And you see that Snape was just ruthlessly bullied by Harry's dad and Sirius Black, like ruthlessly, pretty much for no reason, too. So it 100% makes sense why Snape would absolutely hate Harry because Harry supposedly looks exactly like his dad, only with his mother, his mother's eyes. That's part of the reason why I really like this movie. And obviously, yes. we're going to have our issues with Half-Blood Prince. 
But for this movie, there was a lot cut. Yes, and they had to. But the stuff they kept in, I'm glad they did. Like you just mentioned with that flashback scene. Because it shows, because up until now, yes, it's sad Harry's parents were murdered. But they've always been put on a pedestal. Anytime yeah. he's heard about them, oh, they're great. James and Lily were fantastic. Oh, it's a shame. But back in their Hogwarts days, at least James, he's a bit well, of a, he's a dickhead. Yeah, he's, yeah a prick. he's a dickhead. Yeah. Uh, and the same with Sirius a bit. So, like, it makes them more human. Like, it yes. gives Snape more of a reason to act like he does to Harry. He's not being an asshole for the sake of an asshole. There's a reason for it. Yep. And, you know, I don't, I don't know the actress's name, but the actress that played Umbridge, fucking shout out. That's, she played it perfectly. Oh, yeah. I don't think there was another actress that could have could have mm-hmm. played that she literally she must have read that book instead of the screenplay because she captured all the nuances of umbridge and nailed it like you hate her mm-hmm. in this movie like you absolutely hate her and it must be tough for that actress because a lot of people have a hard time separating the art from the artist so jesus i can't imagine how many people just hear fuck you just completely out of nowhere. Hey, Umbridge, you're a bitch. It's like, I, that was just a role. I don't give a fuck. And, I mean, I feel we'd be failing this movie if we did not even mention the final battle between Dumbledore oh, and Voldemort. Yeah. That show. Be- before oh. we get into that, okay, we gotta get to the punch-throat moment of, you know, Dumbledore's army, or the key members of it, fighting with the Order of the Phoenix, well, really just Harry fighting with the Order of the Phoenix, and the further bond of the relationship with with uh, Sirius and Harry, where Sirius says, you know, like, nice one, James, and then right after, boom! Like, you saw the, the joy in Harry's face, like, oh, you know, this, this is reminding him of being with my dad, which is bringing mm-hmm. me closer to my dad, and then, boom, Bellatrix has to go and kill Sirius right in front of him, and thus creates the biggest fucking throat punch of all but then we get to another very interesting thing right here while chasing bellatrix what spell does harry use to stop her in her tracks it it was one of the th- what was it, three unforgivable curses yes it is and it's not about a cavada no 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 that's no, the killing not, curse yeah, was, yeah that's uh, a killing one it was the cruciatus curse which is the torture curse. So I found that very interesting that in that moment of rage, but then again, you're now further. This was, you know, his dark side pole moment, I, I guess you could say. Because mm-hmm. realistically, he could have killed her, and I don't think anyone would have batted an eye because no one batted an eye that this kid, this underage wizard, just used the Cruciatus curse inside the Ministry of Magic. I mean, she is... In their world, basically, uh, I mean, a terrorist at this point, right? Working with Voldemort. So, I mean, you killed the terrorist and the top one at that. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to complain. No, because they sure as hell didn't care about an underage wizard using a kill or using an unforgivable curse mm-hmm. this time around. Meanwhile, they're ready to throw him out of Hogwarts for, <laughs> for using the Patronus in the beginning. They're like, you know what? We kind of fucked you over on that one. You can have this. Just don't do that shit again. Oh, so but Patronus that, is out, killing curses are in. Got it. Yep. But that's not the first time Harry would use an unforgivable curse, but more on that later. 
back to the Voldemort versus Dumbledore fight. How fucking entertaining was that? It does show, like, because, like, obviously we've seen some wizard battles back and forth, but, like, two but nothing like top that. of their prime wizards going at it. Oh, it's a whole different ballgame. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, normally it's just you kind of get the single spells, the quick little flashes, the spells maybe, you know, cross streams at some point. Now, how about we wreck the entire building? Fuck it. Oh, yeah. How about I just create a spell to put this guy in a fucking ball of water and I could easily drown him, but I'm not going to. Thanks a lot, Dumbledore. Could end this this franchise a lot sooner. <laughs> oh, you're but, throwing glass at me? Let me use a, a shield spell that turns it into dust. You're welcome. Well, sand, which was pretty dumb. He could have turned that shit into basically anything else. Why not do fucking bubbles? Maybe something that's not going to go in your eyes and make you take your eyes off the target. I mean, he did a moment, right? I, I guess. Or pull a Doctor Strange moment, turn it into butterflies. But... Yeah, five is one of my favorite ones. Like, oh, obviously, yeah. it easily could have been a three, three and a half hour movie, but they, you know, two and a half hours, even back then, two and a half hours was a long movie, but I oh, think yeah. they made full use of it. I agree. Now, one movie that didn't make the full use of their time, nope. which is weird considering the book was considerably shorter, is The Half Blood Prince. Yes. A very... Mike, would you like to start us off with this one? It's a very de- dis- divisive movie. It's mm. a franchise for me. When I first saw it, I couldn't express the amount of disappointment that I had for this movie because the book was fantastic. You got to see every single Horcrux before it was made and how Voldemort came into contact with it. You got more time just basically in the past of Voldemort seeing him more often rather than the the two fucking scenes of Dumbledore basically recruiting him and Slughorn's memory twice. And those are my biggest issues of the movie. Where I do like the movie, it did seem a lot lighter until the very end. Whereas Order of the Phoenix was an overall very dark movie. This one had a lot of joy in it. You you think so? Yes. I mean, there were some more lighthearted moments compared to the last few movies, I'll give you that. Yeah, that's, that's basically what I'm going off i'm not saying this is a full-on happy movie but you know you got their friendship or the trio's friendship pretty much at an all-time high Mm -hmm. where they're just kind of like joking around with each other they're having fun harry actually being good at potions dumbledore and harry getting closer i mean yeah you know the whole hermione being jealous thing i kind of got old pretty fast pretty much in the last three or and four five and six each care each of the main trio has a movie where they're just unrelentingly a dickhead the fourth one was ron the fifth one was harry the sixth one was hermione it's like everyone's gotta get their one movie to be a dickhead to be angry about yep yeah so there's that but other than that i kind of in, i kind of enjoyed it the older i got just because it was little bit more lightheaded you got to see the friends go out and i guess get drunk technically when they went to the three broomsticks um man this would be the last time they can have like pure happy moments because the next two movies just yeah yeah this is their last term at hogwarts well it was going to be second to last until other stuff happened (laughs) that is very true but tyler i will let you get into that i mean i guess I guess we, before we 
going to the last two movies. Uh, Dumbledore's death. Yep. Uh, I think I think that part was handled well. I feel the ending with Harry running after Snape. I think that that was done better in the book. Yeah. And I feel. I feel like in the heat of the moment, they should have brought that directly over because, like, the emotion is a lot better. And if I remember in the movie, it's just, it's very, like, Snape's like, oh, I'm the half blood prince. Like, there's no emotion behind that. And he's well, just, he's, he's out. Yeah, I think it, I can't remember if it's in the movie or not, but Harry tried to use Sectum Sempra on Snape. I don't remember if they kept that in, but in the book, I know he definitely tried to use it. And that's where yeah. Snape basically rebounded it. And said, "You dare use my own spells against me?" And then, yes, I'm the Half Blood Prince. So I don't remember if that was in the movie or not. It might have been, but no, I think they also handled Harry witnessing the death of Dumbledore a little bit better, because in the book, Harry had the invisibility cloak, and basically Snape, I believe he did the uh, the freezing curse on him, the Petrovskus Totalis. And then threw the invis- invisibility cloak over him so that he wouldn't make a sound or be heard or be seen. Whereas in the book, Snape just kind of goes up behind him and tells him to be quiet. And then just doesn't. I mean, in the movie, sorry. In the movie, he, he says all that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember him putting the, uh, the curse on him and stuff uh, in the movie. No, he didn't do that in the movie. In the book, he did. Which I think that would be better in the movie because it shows like you know how, how sneaky Snape can be. For one yep. thing. Like it's a lot, it, it, it comes off a lot more sneaky than just stay quiet. Yeah, but the stay quiet moment does also prove a little bit more towards his true intentions. Mm-hmm. You know, because he really didn't want to kill Dumbledore, but he knew he had to. And you know, yeah, by... but obviously we don't see that until the next movie. Yeah, spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, let let's start talking about another let down of the movie shall we i mean you say a letdown. i mean personally i'm a fan of deathly hollows part one i thought the slower pace um the travel as they get the rest of the horcruxes i thought was a good movie i thought it was well needed for pacing like if you look at the franchise as a whole this being a slow movie right before the final movie right all out battle pacing wise it works Okay, so this is where I'm going to have to disagree a little bit. So them breaking it up into two movies, right? There was a lot of of good stuff in the books that we didn't even come close to seeing in the movies. You're telling me you broke this into two movies to cut out a lot of the best parts from the entire book, first half and second. So it just kind of seemed like a lot of time wasting. I mean, I don't... I don't disagree with you, but I feel like the stuff cut out of the book isn't as bad as like Half Blood Prince. It's not as good as Order uh, of Phoenix. Yeah, in, in the first one, you're right. And Death Hill is part one, part two, I'm going to disagree with you wholeheartedly on. But part one. I mean, one, some parts of part two they could have done better. Like, absolutely. The, the fight of Hogwarts. Uh, yeah. Completely. I mean, the house elves fucking running out with fucking kitchen knives and foot cleavers and just cleaving at people. Like, that was fucking awesome. Like I wanted to see that. But no, we don't get that. But back to part one. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that they didn't really mention well is how the Death Eaters found the trio so soon after the wedding. 
And that's because they put a, was it a, a hydrinx is what they called it, on the name Voldemort. So anytime someone said the name Voldemort, Death Eaters were basically alerted to locations. But that's never explained in the movie. They just go Correct. to a shop and, oh, there's Death Eaters and there's a fight. Yeah, it's like, how the fuck they found him so fast? Unless you read the book, you're really not going to know. Because they never explain it once. Or halfway through the movie, they decide, all right, let's start calling him you-know-who again because they clearly got the memo. It was it was hijinks, <laughs> but the audience didn't. Hey, why are they scared to say, say his name again? Yeah, they just said it like eight book. times in this movie. Yeah, unfortunately. But the scenes kind of cut out of, you know, I feel like there was a nice little character arc with Creature that happened in the book that we didn't get to see. But yeah, I guess it's not a bad movie. It's slow for no reason, considering that, you know, they cut out a lot of stuff. Okay. I mean, we'll have to agree to disagree on the pacing of this movie, but. Yeah, I guess so. But now into La Creme de la Creme. Mm -hmm. Part two, the finale. Yes. Almost a 10, over a 10 year buildup. Basically about 10 years, yeah. Oh, yeah. And boy, did it kind of pay off. Yeah, I was going to say mostly delivered. <laughs> yep. Because as I mentioned before, there's a lot of shit cut from this. A whole lot. Mm. Which, you know, understand you can't fit everything into a single movie. <laughs> That's why you had two of them for one book, which once again, wasn't the longest book. But it's weird no, how they overall, made the best movie out of the biggest book, but they can't make two great movies out of one book. Yeah, but funny enough, Order of the Phoenix isn't rated as the best. It's actually looked at as one of the the lower end ones. Oh, that's are stupid. Uh, yeah, I agree. But back to Death Yellows Part 2. It's the duel we've all been waiting for. I'm, yep. I do enjoy the majority of this movie. I'm not going to say that it was bad at any point because it wasn't my only gripes with it is how much they cut. That's basically it. Everything else about this movie was awesome. Um, the return to Hogwarts, them destroying the rest of the Horcruxes, Harry learning Snape's true identity, like how he actually loved Harry's mother and was basically doing this fucking triple cross essentially, which is absolutely insane. Fucking yeah. Alan Rickman for James Bond. That, that definitely should have been a thing. Like, if, if spies exist in the wizarding world, Snape is like the top spy. Triple oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he nailed it. And, you know, Harry's realization of, ah, shit, I'm a fucking Horcrux. I need to die. That was a pretty good moment. Also, Harry having basically his one time to talk to his dead relatives before he meets his own end was a nice touch. That and that was a great moment. Yeah. Actually, one one negative thing here, I will say, it goes back to and you guys are all going to get pissed at me, but it goes back to them cutting shit out that I would have liked to see. Uh, how about how what was it Fred or George who died? We saw their death in the books, and it was mm-hmm. a very emotional moment. They had a chance to make this a throat punch moment, just like serious, because it happened just the same way. Now, once in the movies, they don't really mention Percy Weasley too much. He was the pompous prick older brother who basically worked with the Minister of Magic and basically was a dickhead the whole franchise after the second movie. But they have their reconciliation moment while fighting Death Eaters in the castle. Once they're all fine and peachy, 
boom, Fred or George get killed right in front of them. So there's that. Uh, Lupin. You, you know, I mentioned yeah. one of my favorite characters, and nothing. Yep. Or how about the fact that Lupin made Harry the godfather of his child? And none of that gets mentioned. Did Lupin's wife die? Or she yes, alive? she did. Oh, she died too. Oh, yeah. So she died with the baby, and then, yeah, the whole family died. Yeah. No, no, no. The baby was born already. Oh, the baby was born already? I thought she was still yeah. pregnant. Okay. No, no, no. She gave birth. Uh, I believe she gave birth. In between the movies? No, in the Deathly Hollows part one, she had given birth. Okay. And, you know, we were supposed to see that basically because in part one, <laughs> one of the things I cut out was how Harry, Ron, and Hermione actually go to Tonks's, Lupin's wife, parents' house, who is Bellatrix's sister. And they got all confused and instantly go into a, or Harry goes into a rage and points his wand at her because she looks just like Bellatrix. But instead of brown hair and pale skin, she, or black hair and pale skin, she has brown hair and, you know, more alive looking skin. Mm -hmm. And then that's when Lupin goes there with Tonks and they show the baby and like, oh yeah, by the way, I want you to be the godfather. Once again, a moment that I guess didn't need to be in the film. But it would have made things a lot more throat punchy. It would have. And I mean, I guess one last criticism. Uh, the final fight, while cool, uh, they botched it right at the end with him turning to dust. Same with Bellatrix. Like, it really should have been. They're humans. You know, at their core, they're humans. And they can die like anyone else. Body should have yep. hit the floor. Absolutely. They should have. And I would have liked to see that moment where they throw all the Death Eater, Eater's bodies in a completely separate room because they don't deserve to be with the dead of the people they've killed. Yeah. Would have been a nice touch. Would have been. Um, one thing that the movie did a little bit smarter, I guess, is Harry breaking the Elder Wand. Because in the books, he used the Elder Wand to fix his original wand that was broken. And then he placed the Elder Wand back at the grave with Dumbledore. So the movie, him breaking it, I, I guess it makes sense. You know, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And with the temptation of the Elder Wand, someone will always try to kill for it. Yeah, yeah, that would be uh, a constant threat. As soon as people hear like, oh, he has it, it's like, they're going to come after him. Yep, but I think it would have made, it would have been nice if he fixed his original wand again. But uh, it's not important, I guess. Well, that's about the entire franchise. Uh, yes, it is. I think to make it easier, because, you know, don't want to do a full ranking, I'd say let's do top three. All right. I guess, start with you, I'll go first. Go uh, ahead. Third place, I got, ooh, I'm going to put Deathly Hollows part one. Really? Over part two, yes. Uh, second place, now this is where it gets real tough. I'm going to put Prisoners of Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. Okay. Time Paradox. It's a great movie, but Time Paradox, if I think too much about it, it just goes down a little bit. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, first place, Order of the Phoenix. Fantastic yep. movie, top to bottom. See, our lists are very similar except for the last movie, or the third movie. My third movie is Deathly Hallows Part 2. Then it would be Prisoner of Azkaban and Order of the Phoenix. Because Order of the Phoenix... They really didn't cut too much from the books. Like I know they did, but it didn't feel like it. 
it still felt like a pretty good rendition of what we got. But Tyler, would you recommend watching this franchise? 100%. Absolutely. Numerous reasons. Um, Yes. Honestly, you know, I I think as people look past, look, look at it more and more as we time goes on, it is honestly a part of cinematic history. Oh, it absolutely is. Because if you think about it, if these movies came out now with the box office we have these days, these would be billion-dollar movies anytime these came out. These this are true. huge movies for an entire generation that for most of it, it lands. They do have a couple misses that we went over, but... But those aren't bad movies to begin with. None of these movies were mm-hmm. ever a flop or critically failures. Yes, they're they only always... bad when you compare them to the source material. But by themselves, Correct. they're still good movies. Correct. Mm-hmm. So that's another important thing to point out about this franchise. There is no real bad movie. There are others that aren't as good as the rest, but there is not a single bad movie where you're like, wow, this movie just fucking sucked. Like I've watched any of these movies over like, honestly, almost a quarter or a third of the Marvel movies. Yeah. I mean, I'd easily watch all these movies over all the Fast and Furious movies and Heartbeat. 100 times over. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no question about that. All right, I would absolutely recommend this this franchise, no questions asked, because once again, this is a franchise near and dear to our hearts, because this was a franchise that grew up with us. We grew up as the, basically, the actors grew up and the characters grew up in the franchise, so that is truly something special that you don't really get in a movie-going experience, or at least that we were able to get. That's true. That's honestly, I, I think, a factor is, like, we grew up with them, and that only comes once because yeah they're they were a little bit older than us yeah in real life and in the movies but pretty much like when i was just under 10 11 years old the first one came out uh and so boom like we're so as we're growing so are these characters that we love watching so it brings us even closer to this universe so that's always why it's at least near and dear to my heart but I want to know what you guys think about the Harry Potter franchise. Have you watched it? Do you disagree with us? What are your top three Harry Potter movies? As always, feel free to let us know at Entertainment Expansion. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening, and we look forward from hearing from you.